Hey, Church Home, it's Judah. Uh, we are here in Miami, Florida. And you may not know this, but you are related. You have relatives in Miami, Florida. I know, cheesy Christian jokes, but it's true. We're all connected and related, and we're here at the great Vu Church in Miami. Pastors Rich and Don Sheree Wilkerson are some of our lifetime friends, and I'm really excited because uh, I get to share the story of Jesus with you and with Vu Church today. And so these are all new sermons we're speaking. I'm so excited. Here's what happened recently. I preached a single message called Christianity is Too Hard, and it seemed to really resonate with our community and either as well as from community members from different churches around the world. And so what I want to do um, in this series, the next four sermons, is do further explanation, expounding on John chapter 15 and this concept of have we made our relationship with Jesus too difficult, too, cha too challenging, and too hard? And maybe, just maybe, try to unpack and uncover together why we are so weary, worn out, burnout, and tired. So we're going to talk about this today. I want to thank you, church home, whether you know this or not, your commitment, your generosity was a significant part in planting Vu Church at the very beginning. And so, like I said, we're related. We're all in this together. I missed my flight, caught a red eye. We made it. And I say we because Chelsea's with me. She's nowhere to be found, probably won't attend one single service today in Miami. She is sleeping and I am here preaching. So you tell me, church, who's more spiritual in our marriage. You tell me. You tell me. It seems like everybody's tired today. Do you know what I mean? Everybody's just tired. Um, it's, it's interesting because in the customer service industry, which of course covers nearly all commerce, <laughs> um, we're all just a bit weary and tired. Um, we were not trained. We were not prepared. We were not informed. We were not educated. We were not ready for the days we are in. We were. No one was and no one is. As I stand here right now in the actual timeline of real time of 2021, we are finding ourselves again in a massive spike called the Delta variant. Um, let me be clear. I think responsible leaders do this. I called Pastor Rich and said, hey, is the staff retreat still happening? Are we still doing church? Those are the kinds of questions you call and ask your friends these days. Is it still on? Are we still doing it? I'm sure you've had those conversations. Are we still meeting in person? Are we doing a Zoom? Who wishes they invested in Zoom before? The, yeah, yeah, I know, we all do. Or some of you didn't raise your hand and you should have, okay? This is, this is good. But, but these are quite literally unprecedented days. Yeah. 
right? Certain movies that seem to follow the actual storyline of the world right now evidently have become incredibly popularized. Old movies, and I won't tell you their names lest you watch them and grow in fear. Right? I, mean, I don't know if we totally need to watch these movies where global pandemics wreak havoc and destroy people's lives. I don't know if we need to because we're living it, aren't we? We're in it. And to exasperate the entire experience, for those of us endeavoring to follow Jesus, it has been also challenging. We're living in the most well, maybe, at least in my lifetime, the most opinionated weeks, months, and years yeah. in this country's yeah. recent modern history. Yes. Yeah. Have you noticed? I mean, everybody had not just an opinion. Opinions now are becoming like, like the colors of the team you play for. Everybody has a team. Everybody has a side. Everybody has a perspective. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has... A challenge, and for those of us that follow Jesus, we're scouring the scriptures or at least talking one with another, trying to figure out, hey, is this the right, what would Jesus say? What do we believe? So who do we, how do we? So I voted, do you think? But what if? I don't know. Man, I'm tired. Want to go eat? Where? Never mind. You have any food? Want to catch an Uber? No, they don't work anymore. You know, like, 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 sorry, some of you work for Uber, you're so sad, but if I could get an Uber within an hour, I'd praise the name of the Lord, right? I mean, it's, it, everything is absolutely maxed, stretched, challenged, weary. So this would be a good time to insert a collection of talks that help us understand why we're actually making our journey with Jesus more difficult, more strenuous, more stressful, more challenging than it needs to be. And that's going to lead us to the words of Jesus in John chapter 15. And this is one of the great portions, one of the great passages, one of the most famous statements in human history. Jesus here talks about the vine and the branches. John chapter 15, Jesus says, we'll just jump to verses 5, 6, and 7. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relationship will be, or the relation will be intimate and organic. The title of this sermon this morning is Intimate and Organic. Intimate and Organic, and I want to show you how these are connected and why these are such important. Obviously, we're reading from the message translation, but it does a very good treatment on abide in me and I in you, intimate and organic. The harvest is sure to be abundant, separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown in the bonfire. But if you make yourself at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask, you'll be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is when you produce grapes, when you mature as my 
disciples. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. I am the vine. You are the branches. Have you been watching the Olympics at all? Or is that just me? So I don't, know, I don't know why this Olympics, but like I've missed everything. It's probably called a time difference. Um, Tokyo is one of my favorite cities. Japan, I love Japan. I love the Japanese culture. I love the Japanese people. I love Japan, but it's been really hard for me. And the time difference, for some odd reason, I keep catching diving. It's a true story. That's awesome. Like, we just had three people in this room, church, just go, woo, which is amazing because you're like divers. I'm assuming you're divers. Are you guys divers? Yes, you are a diver, see? Oh, people think a red eye gets me off my game. Like, your game? What's your game? Determining who are divers? I can sense there's like a diver over there, right there. She's a diver, probably a high diver, because you look like an exceptional person. Um, That's amazing. We're in the presence of a diver. This is amazing. I'm so serious, because I was wondering just the other day, I'm like, in what other, like, part of our world do we go, are you going to, you want to come over and watch the diving competition tonight? You know what I mean? It's only Olympics, and, you know, I was going to, like, get on the edge, you know? It's only, only Olympics where we're like, whoa, here he goes. Here she goes. Handstand. Whoa, don't hit the platform, right? We all think it every time. I'm like, ooh, platform. Ooh, good dive. That's a good dive. Yesterday, this is yesterday, after we missed our flight, between the missed flight and the red eye, we watched diving again. It's always on, okay? And here's the diving, and the diver goes and shoom, right through the water. And I go, whoa, that was a good dive. I say that to my wife of 21 years. And she goes, how do you know? And I'm like, I, that's a dumb question, which is a total stall because I have no answer. <laughs> Chelsea's getting her master's degree. She literally was writing a paper yesterday. She's getting a master's in theology. And I'm like, I, I've been to the master's. Very similar. <laughs> so we're kind of like a master's kind of family. And she's getting her master's in theology. So she's always like, oh, do you know this from the Bible? And I'm like... I preach more than you. Of course I do, you know. Um, (laughs) I never. I'm like, that's good. She's like, you know, babe, Romans 12. I'm like, totally. I love Romans 12. Isn't that the love chapter? She's like, that's 1 Corinthians 13. I'm like, I love that one as well. Um, Chelsea won all of like the Bible answer things in Sunday school. We grew up together. So I've known her her whole life. And she was always like teacher's pet. She's like, ooh, 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 I know Romans 8, 28. Let me recite it. It's like, okay, we get it. Okay. She's like, how do you know? She always asks these probing questions. And I'm like, I just, I, I can just, I just know, babe. Like, I can just see it. And she's like, no, you can't. I'm like, yeah, I can. I'm an artist. I can just see it, right? And then like, Every once in a while. This is, this is our whole Olympics. This has been it, okay? It's like diving competitions. It's the only thing we catch live. And I'll be like, that was a good one. Then it'll be like a 6.5 out of 10. I'll be like, I, I was joking. I didn't, I didn't know that, you know? 
The, the Chinese divers have been amazing. Have you been watching? The Chinese divers are dominating. They look like, they, 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 their form looks like computer-generated images. It's, it's like, you would agree, right? My diving friend, yeah, this is, we're divers. We get it, okay? No, seriously, I've been diving since I was a kid. Like poolside, but even when it says no diving, I go diving. You gonna stop this guy? I don't think so. No diving, I go in real shallow. Um, so, <laughs> some of you are very concerned for me. It's just comedy. Okay. Um, but what's amazing is Chelsea did make a comment later in our conversation today. She said, you know, somehow we do, we, we, you, you can kind of see it though. You do kind of go, I don't know why, other than the splash. I'm always like, if it's a small splash, ah, it's amazing. She's like, why? The splash? I don't know. But your eye somehow knows, I know nothing about diving. Okay, nothing, except I know that most pools don't allow it anymore, okay? I don't know anything about diving, but you do kind of, generally, you're like, I think, I think that was, it was good. There's, there's something in us that somehow knows this is, that's good. That person's fast. That person's talented. That person's gifted in that area. You, you ever met somebody brand new and you're like, wow, you have a really, really amazing personality. And they're like, you barely know me. And you're like, yeah, but I already know. Like, you're, you're, you're incredible. You're talented. Now, one of my favorite things to do is to find something great in everybody, right? By the way, this isn't complicated. This isn't hard. And you don't even need Jesus to do this. But if you have Jesus, why don't we do this more? But anyways, is find what's beautiful and great in everyone and be like, wow, you, you have honestly the best head of hair I've ever seen. You'll never need a hair transplant. And that's amazing. But I say this to say, like, there's something in us as human beings. There are certain things we were made to understand, see, perceive, and just somehow know. They say kids know people to stay away from and know people who they can walk over to and be safe with. They just know. Probably a much better example than just knowing when it's a good dive, since I missed a few of those. But kids know where there is safety. How, 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 how do they know? Oh, they were made that way. We have underestimated the fact that if there is a God, which I am persuaded there is, he has a name, his name is Jesus, he's fully revealed himself, he calls himself Father, 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 nearly more than any other title ever given to himself by himself, and that somehow we have led ourselves to believe that it is not innate or built into our system to know him and to go to him. So before we go any further today, I want to suggest to you and to church home that you, please hear me, you were designed to be attracted to, move towards, and interact with your creator. It's like in you. You were made for this. I'm one of those preachers that argues that if we teach prayer too much, we might lose it. And I can explain more about that later. In fact, the fourth talk that we'll do in this series 
We're going to talk about prayer and what we've made of it. I want you to imagine if someone, since you were a child, taught you how to talk to your parents every day, how weird that would get. Now, when your dad wakes up, I know you're just waking up, but when your dad wakes up, I want you to dress him as sir, okay? Because it's going to be really important for your dad to hear you call him sir. I'm eight years old. I know. It's never too early to start. Okay, so we're going to do, okay, now here, oh, dad, dad's coming into your room. Get ready. Here he comes. Here he comes. He's here. Wake up. Hello, my father. That's good. That's good. Say a little more. A little more. Oh, no, he's going to leave. No, he's leaving. Dad's leaving because you didn't call him father. Call him father louder. Father! Oh, I think we got him. He's coming back down the hall. Okay, okay. Now, don't screw that up again. Say the father with the right tone. Say it with the right tone. Say it with the right tone. What are you doing? I'm, I'm teaching kids how to talk to their parents because if they don't talk to them right, the parents will leave. What are you doing, preacher? Oh, I'm preaching a series on prayer. It's interesting. Isn't prayer talking to God? It's a lot more than that. Okay. I am the vine. You are the branches. And the Message Bible says the relation is intimate and organic. I've got approximately 10 minutes to explain this, and so I'm going to do it. Are you ready? Intimate and organic. You know what makes organic organic, okay? Now, there's a lot of companies that say organic that are not organic. I hate to burst your bubble, but that's just the way it is. I had, a, I had a buddy who literally owned a whole organic line. He's like, none of it's organic. We just say it organic and people buy it. And I'm like, this is a very sad day for me. Okay, so <laughs> organic means no additives. Okay, let's just call it what it is. Organic means no additives. And the reason I like using the word organic here is because I think it communicates the original language very, very accurately and very well and translates it to our current culture. This idea of knowing Jesus is there's no additives. There's no additives. There's no additives. The most dangerous theology in the world is not atheism, which is actually not a theology because theology is a view of God and atheism is the denial of God. But by the way, the more we say there is no God, the more we say God, which is ironic because if there is no God, why do we keep talking about God not being God or there not being a God at all? What are you? You're an atheist. You sound a lot more like a God-aware person than someone. Why do we deny, keep denying something and... I'm not clapping against atheism. I'm just saying that I think, I, I think a real atheist never denies what's never there. That's all. So the fact that we keep having to keep deny him tells me he, he's probably there. <laughs> it's like an insecure person who's always like, I don't care. I don't care. The more you say you don't care, we know you care. Come on, we all have that friendly. Like, I don't care what people think. That's why you keep saying that because you do and you're trying to talk yourself into it. Right, so, so let's put our thinking caps on. Remember your teacher in elementary? Come on, boys and girls, put your thinking caps on. Right, That's what we're doing today. Let's put our thinking caps on, and let's recognize that the most dangerous theology in the world is not atheism. It's not agnosticism. It's Jesus plus anything. Jesus plus anything, which immediately brings additives not too dissimilar to the metaphor and analogy of our food. And red 40 and blue 21 are killing us. So we're like, what is that? I don't know, but I know there's red 40. I don't know what the blue number is. But I know that numbers and colors should not be in the ingredients of the food that we eat. Neither should hydrogenated oils. 
Those are oils that never leave your body. These are additives to keep preservation so that food can last on a shelf longer than it was ever intended to by the creator. So what we have done is we have added preservatives and chemicals and additives. We've added additives. That's not a good sentence at all. But we've added additives. And it's why you're tired. It's why you're weary. Because you have added. And I'm going to give you three things we've added to Jesus that are fatiguing us, burning us out, exhausting us and making us weary. Now, here's the good news. If you're here and you're like, hey, man, this is kind of a weird sermon because I hadn't even started following Jesus or know if I even believe in Jesus. And you're talking about all things that I add to Jesus, but I haven't even added Jesus. Fantastic that you're here because this would be like the best sermon to listen to if you're considering following Jesus. Because what I'm going to try to distinguish for you in the next seven minutes is the distinction between Jesus and the romance and the intimacy and the organic nature of being in love with him and all of the added and chemicals you never want to have. And so you'll have an opportunity to make a decision in the next seven minutes whether or not you're in love with Jesus and you're happy to leave the man-made additives, which fatigue us, exhaust us, separate us, and divide us rather than bring us together in love. My relation is intimate and organic. Intimate and organic. Three things we add. Three things we add. There are more, but here's the three things we add. Number one, tradition. Tradition or customs. Traditions or customs. Models and systems. Approaches and attempts. We add. Here's some really easy ones, and and, and we're here in Miami, and I'm preaching to a church that's based in Seattle and Los Angeles and now around the world. But if we were in Texas or if we were in Georgia, some of you um, are familiar with Texas and Georgia, of which I love, but be a little bit more familiar with these traditions. Uh, Wearing a hat in church. Like my nice friend right here. I'm kidding. Maria, Maria's like, I'm so sorry. No, Maria, I preach in hats. Okay, so you, you, you're listening to the wrong, the, the, the right preacher. Okay, the right one. But that was like a thing. Did you know that? Do you know gum at one time was almost unthinkable in church? Do you know cussing used to send you to hell? I'm Kim Kane didn't actually send you to hell, but we thought it did. Do you know that at one point there were Christians who believed that if you smoked cigarettes, there's no chance you knew Jesus? Now, again, some of you are looking at me like, I've never heard of these things. Thank God. Long hair, gentlemen. I was a part of a Christian school that if my hair was touching my collar, I got demerits until it was cut, and eventually if it was not cut, I would be removed and excommunicated from the Christian school. Now, I think what we should admit is that particular school just wanted people with short hair. It's like, just admit that, but don't make it about Jesus because it's got nothing to do with him. And I can prove this to you because Mark's gospel, literally Jesus quoted saying, you have voided out the story of Jesus through your customs and traditions, and you do many things like this. You have instituted your own concepts, processes, and systems that have nothing to do with the person of Jesus. What have you determined has to be present? Well, the New Testament teaches the only thing that has to be present is a is an open heart, a receptive heart, and a loving, forgiving Savior who paid the price in your place. You know what's an interesting question? Ask a Christian 
and I'm almost done, kind of, ask the Christian, how do you take care of your sins? How do you take care of your sins? What's the first thing that came to mind? If it wasn't Jesus, Houston, Miami, Seattle, Los Angeles, Paris, Rome, we have a problem. Well, the Bible says, confess your faults one to another and you shall be saved. No, it doesn't. It says, confess your faults one to another and you shall be healed. Confession is about healing socially, not salvation eternally. But what do we do? We, we built whole doctrines around one scripture, which is horrific hermeneutics, that you are not forgiven unless you confess. False, and that's become a tradition and a custom that we have instituted in the church to control and manipulate people's lives. If you don't remember every sin you did in 88 and confess what you did in 1988, 1988 isn't forgiven and you will go to hell for your sin. Wrong! Jesus said on the cross, we'll review this throughout the day, it is finished. Traditions, customs. Number two, it says intimate and organic. The second thing we add is performance. Tradition and then performance. So, and again, I'm skimming over these and you know that I am and I leave them for your own Bible research and Bible study, your performance. Philippians 2, I think it's verse 13. Philippians 2, I think it's verse 13, okay? It's right around there, ballpark, Philippians 2. It says, for it is God who works in me both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It is God who gives me the energy. It is God who gives me the strength. It is God who gives me the fortitude. It is Jesus who gives me the focus. It is Jesus who gives me the want to, not just the have to, to stay married, to love my wife, to take care of my babies. This is, it is, it is, it is Jesus. The performance of Jesus is where the only power is for your faith. This life is to be focused on the performance of Jesus. You will notice in John 15 over and over, he says, I have loved you as the Father has loved me. So the train continues. So the legacy continues. Jesus loves us like the Father loves him. We love one another and ourselves the way Jesus loves us. Ha, ha, ha. Which is what? complete and whole. The Bible declares that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not based on our performance, but the performance of Jesus. Colossians, the most Christ-centered book in the New Testament, says all things are by him, all things are through him, all things are for him, all things are unto him. He is the focal point. He is the focus. He is the passion. He is the point of every sermon. This is not a TED Talk. I'm not espousing mere principles and concepts. We're espousing a person over principles, a relationship over rules. This is why we're weary and we're tired because we've added not only our performance, we've added only, not only our traditions, but we've added wisdom. We've added wisdom. Whoa, 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 preacher, what are you talking about? The singers are all here. We're all here. We're done. Part one. Come back for part two, three, and four. Like, Judah, we can't. We have a life. It makes sense. 
wisdom. You know how many people have told me I read a proverb every day because it gives me wisdom for my life. I got no problem for that. But can I tell you what Solomon is doing in heaven? Solomon is in heaven. He's the guy who wrote Proverbs under the inspiration of Jesus. He's in heaven going, guys, I didn't have Jesus when I wrote this. This only matters. You know the proverb you read every day? It's not about the proverb. It's not about the wisdom. Jesus is the wisdom of God. This isn't a memory contest. This isn't a principle contest. This isn't a spiritual Olympics. We're not here today trying to compare notes and knowledge. This isn't who can memorize Proverbs the best. This is who knows Jesus. I'm telling you, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Esther, Ruth, David, Boaz. I'll go deep in the old Mephibosheth. I said it. They are all in eternity talking about you have Jesus. Don't settle for mere biblical characters. You have Jesus. Come on, Boot Church. Is he not the point of all life? Is he not the answer to our aching soul? Is he not the desire of all nations? Is he not what you really need? Is he not the answer? Is he not the one who covers your sins? Is he not the one who heals your body? Is he not the one that supplies for your finances? Is he not enough? Come on, church. He's enough. He's enough. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. That's, that's, the sermon's over. We're just worshiping. Don't tell Pastor Rich. I didn't go over time. We're still, this is the singing part. I'm going to sing the rest of the sermon. I am the real vine. You know, like we just start doing it, you know. My father is the farmer. You know? But it says, and I'm done. The relationship will be intimate and organic. Here's what I've learned. When it's not organic, it loses intimacy. When we let go and we embrace the mystery, it leads to intimacy. You know what we need more Christians saying in the streets of our cities? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I'll tell you who I do do know. <laughs> He's the carpenter from the Middle East. He was born in a barn in Bethlehem. He said he was fully God and fully man. He said he had no sin so he could become my sin so that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's the greatest story ever told and I'm mesmerized with the man. If it's not organic, it's not intimate. And here's why. Because intimacy, you've heard this before, is into me see. Intimacy is a broken heart shattered life. Intimacy is honesty. Intimacy is who I really am. Intimacy cannot be covered by traditions. You understand what I'm saying? Those traditions and those wisdom and those performances, you know what they do for me? They harden my heart and they make me feel elite and they make me feel like I'm a part of an exclusive club, like a country club that we call the church. And it tells me that I'm better than people. I'm smarter than people. I'm sharper than people. I'm more moral than people. I'm more godly than people. I vote better than people. I think better than people. I look better than people. And the Bible says you are the people. You're like everybody else. 
So I got good news. We came to level the playing field from the pulpit. And the playing field is we're all weak. We're all broken. We're all tired. We're all in need. We all are sort of God's standard. We have all sinned. We're all broken. So you know what we do? We come again to the gracious arms of a loving father. And we say, God, here I am. Take my life. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Jesus. So if nothing else, I told you, I'm, this is the worship part. If nothing else, may this one message provoke you to further investigation. Is there any Jesus plus in you? You know what's so amazing about this sermon is if we'll take the plus away, we'll take so much stress away, we'll take so much comparison away, we'll take so much division away, we'll take so much opinionated away. Opinionation this isn't even a word. We'll take it away, and all of a sudden what we're left with is soft hearts and open hands. All of a sudden what we're left with is broken people, humble people, heart-shattered people who say, if I don't get Jesus, I'm not going to make it. I just want Jesus. You can keep your morality. You can keep your tradition. You can keep your elitism. You can keep your perfectionism. What I need is Jesus because I am who I am by the grace of God. And if not for his mercy and if not for his forgiveness, where would we be? Oh, I didn't catch a red eye to tell you not to wear a hat in church. Oh, I, we came to let everybody know we just as broken and pathetic and shattered as anybody else. Can't the world see that's why we're so happy? Because <laughs> he covers it all, makes up the difference, calls me accepted and loved and righteous and forgiven. I am the vine. You are the branches. I'm done. I'm done. Come on, let's spread out. So I'll stop. Let's spread out. You know what I've never seen? I've never walked by a vine. And I've never heard a vine make this noise. <gasps> Come on, you heard that metaphor. Some of you have been in church long enough to hear preachers just like me say it, but it's true. I never heard of a vine stressing out. Because the vine is meant to function like a vine. And you are meant to function like a child of your creator. You were made to talk to him. You were made to walk with him. You were made to be with him. Don't overthink it, don't overcomplicate it. Come on, you know, you know, you know. He's the only one who is truly and completely trusted. Worthy. So Jesus, we thank you for what you're saying and what you're doing in Boo Church. We thank you for what you're saying and what you're doing in church home. Lord, from the East Coast to the West Coast, thank you for who you are and set us free. It is by the mercy of God and the grace of God and the story of God. It is by truth we have been made free. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You can stay standing, you can stay standing. Just before we go right into worship and we're done. If y'all tell Pastor Rich I went over time, I will never come back. <laughs> teasing, I'm teasing. But just for a moment, 
just close your eyes, whether you're watching right now through church online all over the world, or you're right here in Miami live, or you're watching church home all over the world. If you would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers, for only Jesus had no sin so he could become sin so that you might become right in your relationship with God. It's never based on what you do. It's based on what he's done. You cannot save yourself, but I got good news. He's already saved you. All you've got to do is believe and receive. To believe actually means to receive it. If you'd like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers on the count of three, wherever you are watching or in this room, lift up your hand and put it right back down. One, two, three. If that's you, just shoot your hand up and say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So many hands going up in this room. Hands going up all over the world watching Voo Church online and Church Home online. Thank you so much for the decision you've made. You will never be the same. Join me in prayer. God, I thank you so much for every single hand raised. But more importantly, God, I thank you for ever willing broken and receptive heart. God, I thank you. We are free and forgiven forever and completely past, present, future sins are all covered at what you did on the cross. And we celebrate our relationship that is intimate and organic as we walk and talk with you. We love you, Jesus. And everybody said amen. Come on, church. Let's worship Jesus together. Come on.